0: I'm Mike Gorman and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor.
1: Yo, it's poppin' everybody. Happy Wednesday. Another three-man for your headpiece today. As usual, I'm joined by my homies, my compadres, my co-hosts in crime, Mr. Will Weir and Mr. Greg Manakis. What's going on, y'all?
0: what's good taylor gang i'm taking it back greg greg got it last time but i gotta i gotta stay with it what's good taylor gang
1: You're taylor gang doing well man doing well uh i'm in a surprisingly chipper mood for 9 10 p.m on a tuesday
2: evening this is so great honestly to see you in such a good mood because we never know you know like when, when we come onto the onto the stream just in general we don't really know how everyone's feeling in that moment and you know during the season. There's a lot of things that are happening that can, you know, draw our mood one way or the other, whether it's the Twitter discourse or whatever. But it's really nice to come on here. And y'all, when I when I came into the the room, you guys were kind of just hanging out, having fun, singing some songs, talking about Pokemon. And that's the type of stuff that I live for, man. I, I was a huge Pokemon fan when I was a kid. Why was? uh i don't well i don't have any children my nef my nephews and my niece are too young to be into pokemon yet so i'm excited to when i have my own kids or when they get a little bit older to kind of relive that uh relive my childhood through them which would be really cool but right now honestly dude i just don't have enough time
1: (laughs) Okay. okay so what here's a pro tip that i learned you never remember everything from all the shows that you're going to rewatch with the children, like with your kids or your nephews mm-hmm. or nieces. So the best thing to do is just remain youthful, man. Keep watching those shows you want to tune into a few episodes of Celebrity Deathmatch? Go stream some celebrity. Oh death my God,
0: match. what a throwback that is! I used to love Celebrity Deathmatch. I haven't seen you. that in a minute.
1: <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You want to watch some Daria? <laughs> go find some Daria. I'm, Daria. Like, like, I'm, I'm living in that. Like, yeah, you seem
0: day, like such a Daria guy. Like, I, without ever knowing that you've ever watched Daria, <laughs> like, if someone just asked me, do you guys think Adam likes Daria? I'd be like 100%. It's just it's just, humor, it just right? feels like it fits
1: It's just a dry <laughs> humor, right but like my my thing is the only person that can judge you that matters is you so as long as you're chill with it go watch whatever you want to watch man throw on that pokemon movie ren and stimpy whatever you need man
2: so my girlfriend watches a lot of scooby-doo uh yeah. so on hbo max she watches like the original scooby-doo like almost on repeat it's like her favorite show to kind of have on in the background so I I I'm always reliving my childhood when she's doing that. Um, but I I did have a question for you, Adam. Before we got on, you said that you give your daughter a, uh, ch- money for chores, and I was wondering, in where you're from, do they have a name for that? Yeah, so it's um, allowance or pocket. Okay, okay, cool. So we call we also call it allowance, <laughs> and that reminded me of another show from my childhood, Doug because there's like a yeah. classic song on doug i need more allowance you know that so it's is, a that it's is either allowance like
1: pocket money is more common just like some pocket money so just a little pocket bit money sounds money. cooler than allowance yeah but yeah like, yeah so you she's got a little bank money, baby but like uh <laughs> she has a list of chores each week and like i pay her well man she's like you know she's <laughs> she, she's on the she's on that a plus salary rating dude it's like a but she has to earn it, man, because I wanted to understand that, you know, nothing's given to you in life. So you need to go out there. If you want money, you need to earn it. I don't care if you're 11, if you're five, she'd been doing it since she was about five, six, uh, but if you're not earning it you're not getting it so every time you don't do a chore that bit of money gets deducted off what you would have been getting at the end of the month but now she's older and there's like game pass that she wants to pay for and mm. you know she's like oh i want to save up because i want some spending money on vacation yeah, that was going to
0: be my question was like is is she like a spent or for you guys too where you spend it right away or was it kind of you know save it and build towards something bigger and i think you kind of answered it like like so the older saved. you get you realize how much this could go or how far this pocket money can go if you like stack it a little bit over a couple yeah of weeks. so she
1: saves i was never like that and that kind of <laughs> followed me into my adulthood and then that was i learned some hard lessons man about how to manage money right because i used to just get money i'd be like yo how do i spend this or, i want this magazine that i'm never gonna read but it's got a cool playstation one demo tape so let me get that demo disc real quick <laughs> oh I mean, uh, you know that that demo is gonna take me about an hour and 30 minutes so i'm gonna need some pringles i'm gonna need a yoohoo so let me go grab them and then before you know it, your money's done you have just got boxes of demo tapes and snacks and you're like i'm a king And in two days, you're like, I'm so poor. Why did I do this?
2: And you'd make the same mistake every week. You, you, who's in Pringles, the new sponsors of the show. Uh, (laughs) So what's the, what's the minimum wage for chores at your house? Uh, five, five pounds. So that's like what, like $5.80. Okay. Okay. That's that's not bad. That's not bad. So like, is it like, give me an example of a chore. Uh, tidy bedroom. So the whole bedroom, it's not like, so my parents, they used to be like, all right, during the summertime to keep us busy, like, all right, every window that you wash is worth $1. Oh,
1: nah, dude, you're not making money off me like that. This isn't no like, um, <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is a flat rate, right? Yeah, this is like you complete the entire task and of okay. course like you're 11 you don't need to be earning 100 bucks a month after you can <laughs> but, but uh, I
2: love that so it's like that.
1: do your bedroom or you know you can uh, I don't know if you guys would call it hoover or vacuum but you can vacuum mm-hmm. the stairs obviously not stairs because she's 11 but you can do like the downstairs
2: hallway or you know, you can polish something on no? I, I love that. And then one, one more thing on, on this before we get into the basketball talk, we are six minutes in now. And I, I, this is my favorite part of every podcast when we just talk about <laughs> nonsense for the first 10 minutes. But the adult version of what you were just talking about, saving money, the pocket money as a kid, to me, tell me if I'm wrong here, to me is like the credit card savings, you know? So for all the money that you spend on your credit card, you start earning that cash back or those You're reward. talking about like
0: points? yeah
2: points yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it doesn't idea. exist here bro you don't oh man wait at I, all not that i'm aware of oh we, we, we gotta we gotta talk about this off air adam because i I feel, <laughs> I feel like it's gotta exist because like so for example i get like three percent um reward so like cash back for any time i buy gas right so if i'm buying gas because gas was so high here in texas and around the united states for so long i i put all my rewards so my highest percentage into gas so now i have like $800 in credit card, like rewards and points. And I'm just waiting to see how long I can like go before I spend this. Cause there's a part of me that's like, Hey, you know, and I could, you know, that's two months of my car payment, but I'm like, you know what, if I save it for 10 years and I have like 20, 20, like twenty k there. That'd so the- so that's where I'm at.
0: Like I've got I've got a bunch, and I've planned to use it for like other things, like because I can use mine for like renting a car or for buying a plane ticket, and like I could use a portion of it, but then it dings it in where it's like oh, now I got to build it back up, and so it's kind of hurting me in the sense that I won't just pull the trigger and use it for actual stuff that's helpful. And mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm gonna build this up, and I'm gonna go to I don't know some remote island Tahiti. and fall out number going to yeah. do an all-inclusive and like you know me and my girlfriend are going to live like kings and queens for a week like everything's on point and like i don't know it's going to take a while to actually do that. i've I looked into it a couple weeks ago it was um i was a little bit further away than i really thought i was
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sure this isn't a thing here like credit cards are quite stigmatized here so like um Everyone uses debit cards. It's all debit accounts. And then, like, you know, if you have a savings account, it's in an ISA or a Stocks and Shares, a bonds account. Hmm. So, like, uh, we, we don't we don't get rewarded. We're English. We're just expected to work and be happy that we're working. <laughs> that's what it is, dude. That's you you take, uh, five dollar you minimum flat rate and you enjoy it. Yeah, you go to work, and if you moan, you're not English, so you just suck it up and work more. And I'm just like, no, dude, I don't want to do this no more. Let me go right now somebody I, I don't know how i transition
2: um we're just, on, the, on the last episode we were talking about something but let's just start there
1: yeah on the last episode we ended with me saying we were going to start this episode talking about an article from rick bucha bucher bucher sorry rick um, that's, the, that's the english
0: pronunciation
1: rick boucher Rick Boucher, (laughs) that'd be French, will. Yeah, Yeah. I know, I messed it up. (laughs) All I can think of is the Water Boy, Bobby Boucher. (laughs) (laughs) But we spoke about this where it was going to be about Jason Tatum potentially being the guy to get traded for Durant over Jalen Brown, which, as I just, I need to get this out there, that is the most preposterous thing I have ever heard in my entire life. And you made me use the word preposterous, so you must know that I am completely against this from the start. However, we need to discuss it for some unknown reason. How do well, you I mean, feel about the notion of trading Jason
2: Tatum for <laughs> for Kevin Durant? I mean, it's never going to happen, right? We can we can definitely talk about it. It's never ever going to happen. Uh, to me, that was more of just you know, content is pretty dry in the summertime. They're talking about Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant, so how can I be different? And Rick Buecher decided to write the article advocating for trading Jason Tatum. Uh, To me, this is off the table because I think the Celtics are just all in on Tatum. And why wouldn't they be right? He's signed a year longer than Brown. He'll be max extension eligible, is two to three inches taller, has shown the ability to be an elite two-way guy, is easier to build an offense around, a better playmaker. We all know that Jason Tatum is special, but the one thing that I could see the argument for is if you were to make a Tatum deal it's more about what you're not giving up right you don't have to give up those other assets in my opinion i think that Jason Tatum has more trade value than Kevin Durant so i would be asking for another piece back from the nets so if if you were to make that deal it's like okay yes you can have Jason Tatum but you're giving me Kevin Durant and then i get to hand pick whatever asset else i want probably starting with Cam Thomas cuz they don't have any uh they don't have any draft picks
1: just yeah. to throw this out there before you jump in, Will Rick wasn't the one that wrote that, that actually postulated this. It was a GM, uh, so okay. it was an anonymous. Yeah. Exec- I think it was one of three
0: from the Eastern Conference and three. I don't know if they yeah. were GM or front office people from Executive. from each conference.
1: Yeah. yeah, but the guy that the guy that suggested trading Tatum was literally worded as a rival Eastern Conference GM. So that GM is just trying to be like, "Yo, I don't <laughs> want no Tatum and KD together. Yeah. You can go and give them Tatum." You take KD. I'm going to sleep easier at night. So that's what they should do when really he's just lying.
0: Yeah. No, no, you're good. I mean, Greg hit the main points. Like it's a hard and fast. No, like it's, it's, it's a really easy, quick conversation. And I think ultimately it, it flips to, you know, Jason Tatum in his current age, his, you know, where he's at as a player, where KD is at, like, like you're asking the Nets for something like, like you're no longer in a, not not even that they're really necessarily in a position of power right now, as this trade continues to linger out, but you're giving us more assets. So like you said, I don't know if that's Cam Thomas. I don't know if you're adding in Seth Curry, as Adam Taylor talked about. I don't know why I used your full name there. That was weird. But as Adam <laughs> talked about it's last important,
1: time, bro. Yeah. Important.
0: <laughs> as reported, as postulated by Adam Taylor on a previous podcast, uh, you know, you add Seth Curry to that mix. I don't have any picks. So I, I don't really know where that goes, but it, it's not a one to one, because I think When you look at Kevin Durant and Jalen Brown and you're looking at Kevin Durant's probably a top three to five player somewhere in that range in the league, Jalen Brown somewhere in the in the 20s. You know jason tatum is maybe in the same range as, as kevin durant they're they're just about equal and one guy is nine years younger and on his way up while the other you have all these injury history a lot more going on and so it's never going to make sense in that one for one yes you might be able to give up less but as i talked about last time i think jalen brown derrick white and a pick or two is the line that you should draw anyways so in that scenario you're basically doing Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant, and that's the the basis of what you're upgrading. So that that theory and that logic doesn't really equal out. So you know, even though this rival exec may not want to see Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant together, I, I don't think there's any world in which a Tatum for Durant swap is is gonna work out.
1: I'd like to put it on record that I don't believe there's any world where Tatum gets traded for any one period.
0: Yeah, he's, you know, like Bill Simmons does his trade value list. You know, Jason Tatum, I forget where he did it recently on a podcast. I forget where he was, but there's maybe two or three guys you would even consider, and those guys aren't getting traded for Jason Tatum. So he's just it's not happening.
1: So this is the thing, right? I really enjoy Bill Simmons' podcasts. Now, do you know whenever I'm moaning to you guys about this every month because I'll pay for an AEW pay-per-view, and then it'll come in at like five hours long, and I have to split it over the week, right? Because I'm like, yo, I can't, I can't sit there for five hours because I just don't. Know. That's how I feel with Bill Simmons' podcasts. I have to like chunk it into like a three day experience to get through <laughs> it because they're just so long. But uh, I just wanted to put that out there because I do find them incredibly fun and incredibly informative. But
2: God, you don't you don't change the speed. You don't go like one point two or one point five?
1: No, because then I'm just going to hear people talking really quick, and I want to absorb what they're saying because it's information that
0: can help you learn. I, and if I, I'm going one point two is perfect. One point five is too much for me because I agree with your point, but one point two I think on a podcast works perfect. Really, I love
2: it. it I've it, never we, tried. We, we sound way more articulate and way more intelligent on one point two. I'll tell you that <laughs> for real. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't <laughs> I'm gonna try that tomorrow then when i uh, when I listen to it. I've just gotta make sure I don't upload it naturally at one point too, right, yeah, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> so one thing I wrote about that should be coming out today when everybody listens, if not it'll be out tomorrow, and it's kind of a curveball to you guys, but you know, keep you on your toes and all that was i've just I've been thinking a lot about what that extra role player would be in that train scenario, right so and what I've come to a conclusion is. It can't be Grant Williams, but Boston would probably like it to be Grant Williams. And this is why his current contract situation is potentially a huge headache. Does he want more money than what you think he's worth? Does If you don't manage to agree to a contract, does he become disgruntled for the year? Are you willing to pay him? 40 million over four, like four, like 10 for four or twelve for four, based off of one year sample size, because for the two years before that, he wasn't the Grant Williams we saw last season. Uh so one, would you like to trade him because of that? Because it's a headache having to deal with that entire scenario. And would another team be willing to take him? Like, would the Nets look at that and be like, yo, we don't want that headache?
2: You know, I mean, that's a good question, but you're trading, you're trading the KD stopper for KD. (laughs) That's what Graham Williams does. That's how how he started to like earn that extra money in the playoffs was by playing great individual defense against Kevin Durant. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, But I, I do agree that. On your last uh, episode that you did with John Corrales, you guys postulated, you know, what Grant Williams' number is going to be, and you guys came to the conclusion that if you're going to put a number like four for sixty, which I think is reasonable for Grant Williams, it has to be an incentive-laden contract. Um, one because you don't want Grant playing out of his role. So one thing that you could say is like, oh, if if you want sixty million, you're going to have to hit. You, know, you maybe finish in the top ten in corner threes made or, you know, finishing the top five for defense for all, all NBA defense, something like that, where Grant Williams has to earn his money within his role, rather than trying to like ball out of his role and have somebody else pay him some, some big bucks. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how I see the Grant Williams contract thing happening. And in terms of trading Grant for Kevin Durant, um, not obviously not straight up as as that extra role player, as you said, um, I do think that the Celtics should hang on to Grant Williams because I, I, I believe I I've always liked Grant. I was really big on Grant in his rookie year. Obviously he had a rough sophomore campaign, but he started to show a lot more than I thought he was ever capable of this season. And Also, he seems to be like all over Jason Tatum's social media, like they're always hanging out together. So if you're keeping Jason Tatum and he truly is friends with Grant Williams, which he appears to be, unless Grant just like always shows up where Tatum is, he's like, oh, damn it, Grant's here again. Uh, Then I I think you want to keep Jason Tatum happy.
0: I bet you Grant is that guy, though. <laughs> Grant is the guy that like you're either not directly talking to him in the group text and like he hasn't been directly invited, but he's just by association. The guy that's going to show up. I could see that being uh, a Grant Williams quality, especially as we got a little bit more glimpse into Grant Williams as he was mic'd up probably a few too many times during <laughs> during the playoff run so that everyone was exposed to, to him a little bit more. But, you know, to the question, I mean, I think the first time that the rumor came out, Adam, you and I talked about it. And, you know, I, I assume that that additional rotation player, if we're looking at the package being... Jalen Brown, Derek White, um, that it would probably be Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard. I think the Celtics would would actually probably prefer it to be Peyton Pritchard because I think Grant Williams has more value, especially when you look at uh, the the way that this team is set up. Um, But the contract is interesting. Um, You know, I I think it's really tough to gauge the the valuation, and just in a couple days here is when they can start to have those extension talks. And I'm a little bit on the 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 lower side than than what you know Greg had mentioned at at four years, sixty. I mean, if he goes out and rep the year that he just had with added attention on him in a more you know with with the expectations and he's able to meet it I, i'd feel better about that and so for me you know I'm, I'm looking at this as unless he's willing to take a you know a comfort deal and i think i mentioned about three years 33 years 36 would be something right now if the Celtics were to get that type of an extension done i'd feel pretty solid about that but if he wants to to play it out and, and earns that four years 60 you know i'm totally comfortable with the Celtics playing this out in a, you know, DeAndre Ayton light type situation um, and seeing what happens when he hits restricted free agency. But it's interesting to think about whether or not they prefer to include Grant Williams. My gut would say they'd they'd like to keep him, but if it came down to the trade hinging on Jalen Brown, Derek White, two picks, and hey, we got to have Grant or you're not getting KD at that point, I, I don't think I'd let it hold me up from getting a guy like Kevin Durant and that's my biggest
1: thing right it's not so much whether it hold up the trade it's whether anybody would want to deal with that i mean we've just heard greg say four for 15 a year four for 60 uh, when i was on with Coralis, it was it has to be incentivized but then you need grant williams to agree to the deal being incentivized you've got the risk of coming in too low and then him being like no i'm going to prove the what i'm worth and then hit free agency at the end of the summer or sorry the end of the season you know it's just a headache that If you do include him in the trade, another team has to kind of inherit that headache. And that could be something that isn't seen as a tangible asset because, yeah, players usually ball out in contract years, but this is a player that's going to feel slighted. He's not really going to be in his best headspace. It's just something that I've kind of been throwing around, just like, is a disgruntled Grant going to be better than what he was last year? The same or worse? And is that headache... Worth trying to move off of, knowing that that could be the difference between good chemistry. You've already got an upset Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown feeling in some type of way. If you want to listen to everybody that doesn't seem to be knowing Jalen Brown too well, apparently Jalen Brown not very, very happy. So you've already got that to deal with. You're on damage control, and now you've got this offer to make to Grant, and then you've got to be like, what do we think he's worth? What does he think he's worth? Coming to that agreement could become a little bit more problematic than what you could be expecting going into those negotiations.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think with Grant, you know, he, he had a heck of a first three years with the Celtics. He's proven himself to be a very, very route, ra- valuable role player. He's not Draymond Green, but he could be PJ Tucker, you know? And if, if you look around the league at how many teams wanted PJ Tucker over the last five years, it's, it's a, it's a pretty sizable amount, you know? So I think Grant Williams does have value, which is why, I would probably put that number at four for 15 but i do like it probably more four for 12 and then the extra three years incentive laden um that's the number that i would be comfortable at and i i don't think i would include grant in that trade I, I agree with will that the hard line in the sand has to be jb Derek white and a couple picks
0: so so if you so i kind of backtracked on that a little bit into the sense that like if it's if it's grant if grant's the final piece holding it up while I wouldn't feel as good about it, I think that would still be a trade that, that I would, I would have to do. I try to avoid that. And I try to get them to take maybe Peyton Pritchard instead as a, Hey, this guy is a rotational piece. You well, know, to if that's, me,
2: if that's the, to me, I might. don't want to do that deal. Like I don't want to yeah. trade Jalen Brown, Derek white and two picks. To Kevin Durant. Yeah. So like that, that's kind of my thing is like, I don't want to do that deal in the first place. So if you're going to add grant on top of that, then I'm completely out.
1: <laughs> Moving on from the, the kd discussions because we've had a lot of them there's been a lot of them it seems to be the only thing i can think of which actually
0: real quick adam there was just i was just refreshing twitter as as you guys were talking Oh um steve bullpit just reported that kevin durant is expected to meet with nets owner joe Sy this week as it looks like all trade talks have kind of stalled out so you know maybe there could be some some new news in the next week or so on on that front
1: That's a fall from grace for Durant. That's like, yeah, I'm the second best player in the world or the best player, but nobody wants me. For the right <laughs> price anyways. Yeah, nobody wants me. They're not, okay, so we can move on. There's been some other news that's happened. Obviously, they've acquired the Celtics have acquired Noah Van Lee and Bruno Caboclo. And I went on to basketball reference to ensure that I pronounced that name correctly. K-U-H, Bo, emphasis on the Bo. And then Klo. Kaboklo. So I see this now. When they're saying Kaboklo, I was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's just a depth piece. If he makes it through to training camp, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm seeing this as a, a training camp battle, and it's going to be an interesting one. Which one of Kaboklo or Vanle can win a roster spot? And I'm sorry to say this, Bruno, and we shouldn't be talking about you because Encanto told us not to. <laughs> but... um. Again, back to the kids films, I'm telling you, dude, they're gold. But um, if I have to choose between the two of them, then Noah Vanle wins hands down. Vonley's got nearly 400 NBA games worth of experience. A, a huge amount of them. Let me read out the numbers. I've got them right here. 339 games in the NBA, 171 starts. That's Vonley. That's over what? One, two, three, four, five, six years in the league. Bruno Caboclo, a similar amount of time in the league. 105 games. The dude could not crack a rotation. You Now you're coming up against Noah Vanley, that's a hometown kid that's going to be playing for the team he probably grew up like absolutely besotted with. He's going to ball out, dude, in that training camp.
0: But Adam, Adam, hold on. I got to jump in here and defend my my fellow countryman, Bruno, over here, my Brazilian brother. We're talking all about all of this conversation. We're trading Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum to go get Kevin Durant. We just signed the Brazilian Kevin Durant. If you remember that famous, <laughs> my favorite NBA draft quote of all time from Fran Fraschilla, he's two years away from being two years away from being Kevin Durant. Well, we're, we're three years behind schedule, but that that thought might not be dead, Adam. So <laughs> I will I will be damned if you're going to come on here and besmirch the Brazilian Kevin Durant. But ultimately, I think I'm with you.
1: I don't. I think mean, he looked like that. Kevin Durant with <laughs> Sao Paulo last year, playing in Brazil. He was averaging like 25 and 11 a game in Brazil, came to the G League, was averaging 12 and four or something random like that. Like the production, like I just don't think, I think he's one of those guys that his game just, is, I think his skill level's there, but I just don't think his game fits the way the NBA's played or the way he's asked to operate within his role. Van Lea comes in 6'10", long, you know a rebounding guy like he's he's not really a scorer he ain't gonna get you buckets that's just not what he does uh, somebody that you can project to be like a weak side help defender who can rotate over and contest looks at the rim put him in drop a little bit but then he's gonna clean the glass averages six rebounds a game on his career Lee just gives you more and i'm not neither of these guys are going to be like main major role players you know like this is like end of bench depth but i'd feel more
2: comfortable with Lee there than i would with Caboclo. Sorry. Yeah. I mean the, the, the bar for end of the bench, think about last year, you know, the bar was Malik Fitz, and like the bar is in the And yeah. So it, it's just, to me, whichever guy ends up winning this spot, I think is added depth for the Boston Celtics and um, their their in their 12 to 50 man roster. I do expect Von Le to win that. It, it's funny when, when I first heard his name, I was like, hmm, I, I haven't heard that name in a while. And it, I was like, I wonder what team he's been on. And I was like, oh, he was in China. That makes sense why well, I haven't heard him for a couple of years. But Noah Vonley, he, he's always had some promise. The thing about Vonley, you know, he was very highly touted as a prospect. He he had a pretty good college. I think he played one or two years and he went to IU, right, Will? Mm-hmm. He's an yeah. IU guy. Yeah, so my, I have a bunch of friends that are IU people and they were big on Noah Vonley coming out um, into the draft. The biggest thing with him is he's a little stiff, right? I mean, you watch him play, it's a, you want him to be a little bit looser, but he he has this like very upright, herky-jerky type of of, of game. He's got an okay shot. You know, he does everything just, he, he's decent. You know, he's gonna, if, if he gets 20 minutes a game, he's gonna give you six points and five rebounds. And at the end of the bench, he's a veteran. I would like to see him, especially as a hometown kid. I think he's from Haverhill. I would love to see him on the Celtics this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's got the the best shot between the two that we're talking. And then I think, really, you're looking between him, Cabin Jelly, and, uh, and Luke Cornett. That's kind of the makeshift third center that the Celtics are seemingly going to roll into training camp with while waiting to see if there are better options that come onto the table, whether that's later in the season with a buyout, is there something they can do with those smaller TPEs? You know, there's still some of the veterans that uh, a few weeks ago, Adam and I talked about Boogie Cousins and Dwight Howard. They're still floating around, so they're not off the table yet. So low risk move, bringing a guy that looks like maybe he had figured some stuff out in China. I know, um, Keith Smith had tweeted out earlier. I think he was shooting somewhere around 38, 39% from three in China. So maybe that shot, which, you know, kind of comes and goes, maybe that's a little bit more, you know, more uh, refined now in this, uh, in this next step here in his NBA career. And he's been a pretty solid rebounder, like you mentioned, you know, so as a, as a third guy, you know, As someone who's averaging five, six rebounds while only playing 15, 16 minutes a game, like that's pretty solid. So, you know, maybe he's matured a little bit and there's a way that he can carve out a role coming home, as we've talked about. So I I think Noah Von is a, you know, a solid gamble. I think between him, Cornet and Kevin Jelly, that will be kind of an an interesting lower tier uh, preseason training camp storyline for us to be able to, to look into.
1: I like the fact that you brought up TPEs because I've been waiting to say this. So everybody forgets that TPEs can be used to pick up a guy off waivers. They, they, you can use it up via a trade or you can use it to pick up a guy off waivers. So part of my expectations is somebody like Van Lee is going to earn themselves a roster spot. They're going to be on the team on a on a full-time contract moving through the season. And Brad Stevens will leave a roster spot open. So as we move towards the trade deadline, if anything shakes loose via waivers, you have the you have a trade exception there that you can use to claim that guy if you think they're viable. And if you don't have that guy, well, you can go and look at somebody like Cavanjele and convert his contract, similar to what they did with Sam Hauser and Luke Cornette. Or you can go and in- Package somebody with that, like, you know, use the TPE and then try and entice somebody with somebody that isn't playing, maybe a Vonley, maybe a Peyton Pritchard to try and bring in an upgrade that way. So I'm kind of expecting one guy to get a roster spot and
2: one to stay open moving towards the trade deadline. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you do you want to do more on uh, Noah Vonley? <laughs> I can talk all day on the bro. <laughs> I know. I saw you did 20 minutes with Tim Shields. I was, I am yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm five, we're, we're five usual. minutes in, and I'm like, all right, let's, uh, let's transition here. <laughs> I'm about
1: to do my usual, bro. So I'm going to go back all the way back through his last season in the NBA over
0: the next two days. Which I mean, that was his last season with the Knicks, his last real, yeah, season. I only he had a couple the of stops, but yeah. after that, but his last season with the Knicks wasn't terrible. Played 68 games, his per 36, basically come out to a 12 and 11. Had a, I was watching a little bit of the highlights before uh before we hopped on here you know like you know mentioned before, greg mentioned this i think like his shot is not broken. It looks solid. Had a little bit of handle do solid rebounder. Uh, definitely was a, a little bit stiff. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why you've seen him get, you know, some brief looks in Minnesota, Denver and in, in Brooklyn on his way over to China. Um, but, you know, if you look at that last season with the Knicks, which I'm looking here was 2018, 2019, you know, you hope for a little bit of maturity and I, I just think it's a solid gamble. It's a, you know, it's a, it, it's nothing to write home about, but it's nice to bring a kid from Massachusetts back, give him a chance and maybe it's his time to to shine a little bit. Feels like a little bit of a slap in the face for Nerland's Noel, right? I mean, honestly, that's that's who I want as the third center. Oh, I know sure. that's that he I think he fits and now he has a ton of injury concerns as as well. But I think that's the guy when we looked at before the TPE expired, where I was really hoping there's an opportunity that maybe Detroit wanted to open up some some more playing time for Jalen Duran for Beef Stew, and maybe they, you know, because they got Nerlins Noel in that in that um uh, was it the Kemba Walker salary dump i can't remember exactly what it was but um but he was about 9 million and that was really what i was looking at when that tpe was was going to expire a couple weeks ago um but now that would be be pretty hard to to make that work with without that tpe available makes me sad i agree i'm sad right so topic wise i'm going to let
1: one
2: of you two come up with something cuz i'm well, we, done. we 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 haven't talked about uh, bill russell at all do you do you want to talk about bill russell a little bit yeah i mean we can do we should have already done this at the beginning but we can do it now for sure yeah that's that's okay you know people people come for the uh the initial conversations about nothing and they stay for the bill russell talk you know <laughs> uh yeah but i mean my question to you guys is you know we were about to record the last episode as we got the news like literally we were about to hit record and then we ended up finding out that bill russell passed so we didn't. We were unable to talk about it at that time because it was just so fresh and so raw. But now that we've had a couple of days to process it, my question to you is just what has the news of Bill Russell's death caused you to do both in your brain and in your actions in terms of like doing your research? How did you go about processing it and um, appreciating who Bill, Bill Russell was to the Celtics organization and to American society?
0: Yeah, I mean you know, with with Bill Russell, this is something that I tend to do with, you know, historical figures that were probably that I'm aware of, but but most of their actions took place before I was, you know, old enough to, to really understand or comprehend. And I really start to, you know, take in as many stories and as many videos that, you know, talk about their lives and their accomplishments. And obviously with, you know, a guy like Bill Russell, he means so much to the Celtics organization, into the city of Boston, into, you know, the civil rights movement in America. And so we know his, you know, on-court resume, the two-time NCAA champion, uh, 11-time NBA champion, first black head coach in uh, North America, the NBA Finals MVP award at the end goes on and on and on. Just just an amazing individual. And, and so for me, it starts to become just consuming a, as much info as I can about their lives. And honestly, I kind of then wish I had been doing while they were alive to appreciate it more. And it's a little bit of a shame that it does take, you know, him passing away to to learn more about, you know, his story. And there's some things that I, that I had known, other things that, you know, were on court, some that were off court. His relationship with Wilt Chamberlain is fascinating of uh, how they were kind of enemies and then became friends. And, you know, it, it, there's some that believe that it was a little bit, mental warfare that bill russell was playing by befriending wilt chamberlain and then you see them in interviews and they genuinely you know have this 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 bond between them and so it's these larger than life figures historical figures that we still talk about in reverence when we talk about the best players in the league when we still talk about you know just you know you know the, the history of this country and these are guys that that come up and Bill Russell was a part of, you know, so much history over the last, you know, throughout his entire lifetime that it, it's hard to put it into, you know, just a couple of articles, a couple of videos. Um, but that's really what I've been I've been trying to do is as I you know do my daily scroll through Twitter, hit the different websites that I typically look to is that when I see a Bill Russell article don't just look at the title don't just you know skim through it but actually sit down and try to absorb some of it and you know really start to look at you know the the whole person that that was Bill Russell and and really appreciate that you know unfortunately it's now that he's passed and you know I wish it had been something I looked into more while he was alive but you know I still think there is a lot that that can be learned and understood of 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 this great man.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the first things I did once we stopped recording, I remember it quite clearly, was I was like, I just want to feel like I can find a way to connect with his personality a little bit more. So I remember going back and watching all of the videos, you know, just when he's, he's laughing, like when he's with... He's with Kobe, or he's with Garnett, or he's just on stage accepting an award, telling everybody he could kick their butts, and then that laugh comes, and then like that's so such an infectious laugh, and it's like super pure. So that was kind of where I started, just because then you you feel like there's a connection. It makes you want to look into. All the social, like social injustice issues that he faced off the floor. There's a story about when people were knocking over his trash cans and he mm-hmm. he ended up speaking to the police. The police were saying it was um it was some wildlife. So, you know, he goes and gets a gun, goes back to the police, like I need to register this. But if you you know, if you sort out the, the wildlife, then I, I'm not gonna need the gun. Like the, just the battle, the everyday battles he faced, being a prominent figure in that time so i've started to educate myself on that more because the sports side of things you already knew right you what you know the accolades you know the the selflessness that he bought it was more the the off-court stuff that to me was so fascinating because at the time what he was going through all that he was still dominating as a player still dominating as a coach and he was compartmentalizing what was happening in his day-to-day what was happening in the city he represented on the on the basketball court? He was compartmentalizing that to one side and still being dominant when he got on the floor. So I tried to appreciate like what type of mental fortitude that would take, and to me that's kind of a lesson in general. Like you know when you come to, when you come into your day, all of us are, I'm terrible for compartmentalizing like what's going on around me versus what I've got to do right now. Just that winning mentality, and then obviously you're trying to educate yourself on how he carried himself as a human being. Us, everyone he spoke to, man, he was like, I'm as proud. I couldn't be more proud of you than what I am of my own kids. Mm-hmm. Like that type of like um, encouragement is like ridiculous, man. So I try, I just tried to learn more about him as a man rather than him as a basketball player, because I think that especially in the modern generation, we kind of dehumanize like sports stars like drastically and they're just there for entertainment so i'm trying i just spent most of my time trying to rehumanize him in my own mind
2: that's interesting right when you you know bill russell obviously played before any of us were born so for me like he was this legend yes but i've always kind of seen him human first because i never saw him as the entertainer right i only knew him as the person um, and then, you know, we'd go back and we watch clips and appreciate Bill Russell. And everyone talks about how great Bill Russell was and all that stuff. The biggest thing with, with Russell for me, that this caused me to think about, and this is something Will and I have talked about both on and off air before it's come up many times over the past few years is, you know, the city of Boston and Adam, obviously he didn't grow up in Boston, but I'm sure you're aware of like the the racist history of the city and and of the country and everything like that. And when When I see just like general discourse around the city of Boston today, there's still some discourse that's out there that to me feels too defensive of what the city where the city is and what the city has been, you know, where people are like, "Oh, this isn't a racist city anymore, blah 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 so it, when I think of Bill Russell and I hear all those stories of the racism that he dealt with, and then when you flash forward, you know or flash back a couple of years to Marcus Smart, when he ended up making that great animated short of um, his experience with the racist mom after one of the games where he's driving home and he almost, I think he like comes to an intersection and almost hits them or something like that. And he ends up getting, um, getting called the M word and flipped off in front of a little kid. And he talks about how like racism is taught through generations and things of that nature. It really made me start thinking about Jalen Brown, you know, and how important Jalen is to the city as the city continues to try to better itself and the fan base continues to try and better itself. Cause the thing you always hear about Jalen Brown is moving forward. Will, will he be known best for his accomplishments on the court or off the court? And he's a heck of a basketball player. So it'd be pretty hard for him to do anything in life. That's, you know, supersedes the discourse that surrounds his on court accomplishments. But I do think that Jalen Brown is one of those bill Russell type people that the city needs, honestly, moving forward. So when we talk about trading Jalen Brown, part of me is like, I love rooting for the guy, but part of me is also thinking about how important I think his personality and his um, you know his willingness to put himself out there as an activist can be for this city. Uh, so that really, when I thought about Russell, it kind of led me down a whole rabbit hole, just thinking about the, the history of the city and where we want the city to move Um, in the future. And I think Jalen Brown's a really important part of that.
0: Yeah, that's well said. I don't don't know that I have much to to add to that because my mind went to a similar place where, you know, I do treat a lot of the Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant rumors as like, it's a business, you know, here it is. But there is that, that other, that other element that, that goes into it. And, you know, a a spiritual ancestor of bill russell does seem to be jalen brown in the way that he approaches life he approaches his responsibility as you know a a public figure to be extremely thoughtful in his actions his words and the way that you know he he approaches his life and so you know it's it's a tough day or a tough couple of days since the since the news for for Celtic Nation, um, but, you know, we, we were blessed to have Bill Russell in our lives, and even though we didn't get to see him play because of our age, you know, we've seen the highlights, like you said, but, you know, I, I think of that interview that he did with with KG, one-on-one, after KG had, had come to the Celtics, and there's a moment in there where, you know, he's he's really celebrating the way KG goes about his business, his mentality, the way he prepares. And there's a really heartfelt moment in there where, you know, Bill's like, I, I, I fully believe you're going to get one, if not multiple championships here. But if you don't, I'll give you one of mine. And it's one of the coolest, most genuine interactions from two individuals of that stature. And, you know, Bill Russell was, he was one of a kind that, that laugh that Adam mentioned. That's one of my favorite parts of, you know, some of these clips that are coming out is his laugh is, you know, I, I just, I'm just looking, I hear it once and you're like, I got to hear it again. I got to hear it in a different scenario because it, it just kind of brings this, this, this joy to you. So, you know, it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad situation, but uh, those memories of, of Bill Russell will live on
2: forever. Will people say very similar things about your laugh?
0: Yeah, no, they don't. I, it's 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 despicable. It's despised in many circles around the world. Have I not heard your laugh properly? I I mean I I hope you have heard my laugh at this he, point. We've he, been he, podcasting for two years.
2: Yeah. There it is, right there.
1: Yeah, the laugh's just like a happy, jovial little like chortle. It's
2: fine. It is, it is. It is a chortle. It's definitely a chortle. Will had many teachers that didn't appreciate him and his laughter. Yeah, I'll my
0: my, my laugh has been criticized for for years really I well it's just it's just it's right? just like no one it's it's almost borderline evil at times like when i'm happy <laughs> around my friends no one's happy for me Every, yeah. everyone's <laughs> like how do we get he's smart. too happy
2: it's got to yeah. smirk. like when we play video games nobody wants Will to win or you play board games cuz he he can't he can't control his face. He's just like always smirking when he's winning at something or when he knows he's about to win something. I
0: mean then beat me. I mean that's the <laughs> that's that's the answer then beat me.
2: No, it it, it it makes people want to beat you for sure. But <laughs> what one last thing about the um you know where our minds went when we got the news of Bill Russell. I always love when you know y- you're allowed to find space to revisit the past because you're so caught up in the now you know and in the future and what what you're going to do but i think with bill russell when 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 he passed and obviously i was on you know summer vacation right now so i had a little extra time but it sent me down a youtube rabbit hole and it started with bill russell but then it went to larry bird then it went to Bill Walton and I ended up on like watching hours of Bill Walton highlights from when he was like MVP of the Blazers. I watched like a whole like 20 minute thing about Bill Russell's greatest moments in the finals. Man, I mean, Bill, Bill Walton's greatest moments in the finals man bill walton was a heck of a player man i haven't watched enough of his enough of his highlights from before his injury but even him on the 86 celtics with bird some of those passes that they would they would run i would love for the celtics the the current celtics to go back and watch some of that tape because man bill walton was a heck of a player too but this is why i get so frustrated
1: man when you're online and you're like oh well they were playing against farmers and lawyers and there was no real competition like no dude like some of the, the best players in history played in that era. I see people say it about Jordan. Look, Jordan didn't have to go up against superstars. I'm sorry, was Patrick Ewing? Not, I think. Like, was when Larry Bird was there, you know, you and before Bird, like, Bob, you've got Kuzi, you've got Havlicek, and they're going up against guys like, um, you know, you've got Kareem, you've got Wilt, you've got... My net my brain is just dying here. Jerry West, Pete Maravich, there was just guys littered all over the league that were still high level elite guys that maybe they're not gonna be
0: superstars in today's league because it's a completely different game. But it's so tough. Like the error conversation to me is always so it's impossible. Flawed. It's so flawed yeah. because, you know, they didn't have. Okay. So, so if, if we're just saying they couldn't play in today's game, could the guys that we're talking about today like go back and, and play in those times with those same resources? Yeah. Without like, the sports science and exactly like, like as much as Steph Curry would be a wizard if you took him from, you know, today's game and put him next to Bob Cousy. Okay. Now, now. Pretend he's growing up with, you know, the same circumstances that that Bob Cousy or some other player of that time went up with. There was no AAU ball. There was no, you know, all these shooting coaches, Uh, you know, like there isn't all of these other resources that go into it. So I think if you're saying, you know, for, for people that. Don't always think a Jerry West or whoever it might be or Bill Russell, whatever, could play in today's era. It's like, well, remember, you, you got to give them those opportunities that the players today have as well. And most of them, especially when you I mean, when you watch at Bill Russell's athleticism, and of course it sticks out, you know, dramatically for for that day and age, but you just take that athleticism and give him the resources, he's going to find a way to I don't know if he'll be the, the the Bill Russell from before because there was only you know 14 teams in the league and now there's 30, but you know he's still going to be a high impact guy with those resources. So that era conversation to me is just always filled with so much gray
2: area that no one ever wants to to truly address. And bro, you you mentioned Steph Curry. Steph, there wouldn't have been a Steph Curry back then because Steph Curry, his career was saved from sports science. And the fact that they were able to figure out how to prevent ankle injuries for him. He had glass ankles, you know. So if you put Steph Curry back in the 1960s or 1970s, he probably plays two years.
0: Yeah. And, and he yeah. wouldn't have been allowed to take the shots that he does. It's a horrible shot, but that's, you know, that's, that's going to be the shot where they're like, no, that's, I'm sorry. Even if he makes it, they're going to say, no, that's, there is no three point line. So why, why are you shooting from 40 feet away? You know what I mean? So it, it just, it doesn't equate there. There's, I don't know, there's a lot of nuance to it that everyone chooses to ignore. And that's always my issue, it's, which I know it came up recently bro, it's, with it's, Draymond it's,
2: Green and such. It's 100% ego. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just all these athletes that have insane egos as as they should you know they're they're professional athletes and that's probably what drove them to success but now they can't let go of that ego and they're now they're just like our air is better it's 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 a stupid conversation for sure
1: i mean the last thing i want to put on this is if you like first of all steph curry had to rework his shot in college because it was so bad coming out of high school like that's a fact when he was i think he was at davidson if i remember yeah uh, he had to rework his shot from the final year of high school so would that be his his senior year -hmm. So, for between his the summer between his senior year of high school and his freshman year at Davidson, he went and worked with a shooting coach for the entire summer to to alter his shots so he stopped getting blocked on every on all of his releases. It's, It's it's you can it's an accessible fact that doesn't exist if you're back in, in that era because you don't have the shooting coaches to just, mm-hmm. you know, go and find them. And then if you put Bill Russell in today's era and he grows up with the AAU and the sports science, the nutritionalists, uh, people understanding calisthetics and explosive body movements and stuff. He looks like Robert Williams on super saiyan level four or super saiyan ultra instinct. It's God mode, Robert Williams. <laughs> like it, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I agree. I think that's a it's it's definitely a conversation that a lot of people gloss over the nuances to make their point. Uh, I still found it hilarious when JJ Reddick said if you put Steph Curry next to Bob Cousy, people would look at him like he's a literal wizard. I found it hilarious because it was <laughs> on TV. Uh, and I was like, They would, they would look at him like, What is this wizardry? How are you scoring from halfway down the court? But at the same time, they'd be like, Yeah, that's all well and good as like a parlor trick if you want to impress some girls after a night out at the bar. But
2: yeah, every every referee would call him for a carry on every dribble.
1: <laughs> yeah. <dude. laughs> I think uh I think we can end it there because I'm sure we've we've made a few of the listeners all right right now and they're, they're rage punching their steering wheels. <laughs> How dare you? Um so we can leave it there. I've enjoyed this show, I've had a good time. Yeah, man. You came in with the good vibes and we kept them going throughout. I mean I'm usually in a really good mood anyway. I'm just a little bit more subdued Yeah. uh <laughs>
2: You know, well, uh, yeah, to be fair to you, you know, you're on a completely different um, timeline than we are. You know, it's late at night for you right now, it's four o'clock in the afternoon for me. Right.
1: So. <laughs> Do you know how much those two time zones are merging into one for me at the moment? I was saying this to Zoe earlier today. I was like, every time I look at the clock, I see it's like I see two different times. So I look at the clock now, it's 10.02, it's 5.02 Eastern. I instantly all the time i'm living on Eastern you're just doing
0: time. the you're doing the calculations in your head even if you don't need to it's yeah. just an automatic uh, so i know adjustment.
1: where i am in my day and i know where i am in my day on two different time zones and it's constant and i'm just like dude i need to move so i can merge these time zones to one <laughs> because otherwise i'm gonna be like i'm my headstone you're gonna to need to put the two different. Oh, my death certificate. You're gonna need two different time zones because I'm gonna be like, well, what's going on? Ooh,
0: what what ha- what happens if uh if you pass away and it's like one day in one area and one day in another? You're gonna have two different dates.
1: Yeah, I'm a time traveler. I'll be the first one. <laughs>
0: Adam <laughs> Taylor in the multiverse of madness.
1: I'm telling you, dude. I'm not. I'm immortal anyway, so that's cool.
0: Um, <laughs> you ever watched Highlander?
2: I've never seen Highlander. I no.
1: no where You can be only one. It's like the nineties where they were all in the I, I,
2: I know. I do know the quote, there can only be one Highlander. I know that just because yeah. it's referenced so much, but I've actually never yeah, seen it. It's one of those movies that I used to lie about having seen, but now yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those movies that isn't really that great, but there's like three of them. And if I
1: watch one, I'm like, okay, I did a lot. So I, <laughs> So you watch them through, and like you know, like I remember watching them when I was like eight, and like to, to kill an immortal, you need to decapitate them. So I'm like, why was I allowed to watch this at eight years old? What was going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, and then I think back, and I'm like, now nah, man, I remember sneaking the cassette tape upstairs during like middle of the day, and like just putting it on and listening for people and I watch people have sword fights and chop each other. I'm like, this
0: brilliant. <laughs> cassette tapes what a throwback there i found a bunch of home videos when i was back in boston yeah. recently got a got a bunch of cassette tapes i'm gonna try and digitalize and and get them uh maybe, maybe we'll share some if i can find some good clips hey look how far we've come man
2: we were on cassette tapes
0: oh, yeah i, I mean got, we
2: we started with nostalgia and we're ending with nostalgia
1: i've got vinyls behind me right now lots of them there we go Right then, everybody have a good day. Make sure you tune into the next episode because we're going to be on Dr. Dre. Until the next episode,
2: deuces. Peace. I